0: Once upon a time. In a land far away. I'm Katrina. And I'm Jeff.
1: This is the Fairytellers Podcast.
0: Myth, legend, folklore, fable.
1: We explore what they say about cultures then and now.
0: Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat.
1: While we tell you a tale.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. So happy to have you with us for another what is sure to be an exciting episode.
1: Oh, it will be. It
0: will be. I found out something exciting. Katrina, would you like to hear about it?
1: I would love to hear about something exciting.
0: So uh, I may have misled you. It's not that exciting, but (laughs) I was perfect. In the vein of like checking to see if we had any more reviews, which we have not had any more written reviews that we can read on the podcast. So if you would like to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, if you have not yet reviewed us, preferably five stars. I think we deserve it. If you leave a written review, it will get read on the podcast. So, but we don't have any. But in lieu of that, I found out that there is another place that we are available to be listened to. And that is Audible. I had someone ask me, in person, someone was talking about the podcast, like, oh, he does a podcast, blah, 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 It's like, oh, yeah, I want to listen to it. Are you on Audible? Which I would never, I don't listen to podcasts on Audible. I didn't actually even really know that there were podcasts on Audible.
2: Me apparently neither. There and
0: apparently there are people that listen. I mean, I use Audible all the time. I listen to audiobooks, you know, like when I drive to and from work, like I'm I constantly listening to audiobooks. Yeah. I'm always on Audible. But I never even thought to do podcasts there. So if you're the type that, you know, want to keep your podcasts, your... Audiobooks, you know, all in one place. You want to listen to us on, on Audible? You can listen to us on Audible apparently. Because this person asked me if we were, I was like, oh, I don't think we are. But then I was like, let me look. And I looked it up and yeah, you can find us all one now episodes. Nice. And we have a review on there. It's not a written review. It is a, a review, but we currently have one review, five stars on Audible. Yeah. Perfect rating.
1: Oh yeah. Perfect rating. <laughs> one rating. <laughs> Still good. We'll take what we can get. Love it.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the excitement for the day.
1: Perfect. And I'm excited for this episode in general. And that's because this is actually a listener request episode. Yay! What? In this, the year 2024?
0: Yes. We love giving the people what they want.
1: Yes. So this is a listener request from our Patreon one of our patrons on Patreon, Megan, she asked if we could retell. Well, she didn't even ask. She was just like, like, I don't know, maybe this would be an interesting thing to talk about. And she's like, yes, she's absolutely right. Absolutely right.
0: It'd be an interesting thing to talk about. <laughs> it would be and an interesting so thing. we will talk about it.
1: So she had said that this is a story that her Armenian grandmother would tell her. And that when she got older, she thought it sounded a lot like the brave little Taylor. And so I thought today we're going to retell both those tales so that we can actually talk about them. Because I do think it's interesting the similarities that they have. But again, also the differences that they have with each other.
0: Yeah. I just need to get this out of the way now because it'll keep coming up in my brain. And so I got to get out there for everyone to know. Hopefully after today, this will change because I've never heard the story of the Brave Little Taylor. But every time I hear about the Brave Little Taylor, I am immensely disappointed that Brave Little is not followed by Toaster and is instead followed by Taylor. But maybe, you know, maybe the Brave Little Taylor can live up to the masterpiece (laughs) that is the Brave Little Toaster, which I found out very recently was written was like based on a book. I've only known, like the movie, it's yeah, of The book, too. and apparently the guy that wrote the book was like a pretty, like a pretty out there, like science fiction writer. Like his other work is like really crazy. All right. And I can't remember. He's like, yeah, he wrote some like really, really weird stuff. Apparently, which I mean, the Brave Little Toaster that is actually kind of weird, but it's like cute.
1: Yeah, but I'm like um, Hans Christian Andersen also wrote some stuff with animated like objects. That's a little weird. So he's yeah. in good company.
0: Good company. Yeah. So it's like, now I want to read that Brave Little Toaster book and just see, yeah. like, is it weird or is it normal?
1: So I was going to say, like, funny that you should say something about, you know, the the Brave Little Taylor, like the title of the story. Because another name that it is sometimes known by is Seven in One Blow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so a lot of good titles out there. It has a couple. Mostly because it's like, you know, the story has been around. Oh, my gosh, Jeff. I typed in the brave little.
0: And, of course, what comes up is toaster.
1: Of course, yeah. Like, Google was like, we know what you're looking for, toasters. (laughs) Um, I'm like, you're right. But anyway, what was I saying about the brave little Taylor? So, yeah, it also goes by, like, the valiant little Taylor, the gallant Taylor. Lots of, yeah, just different words to describe it. Right. And so it's really interesting because the first thing I want to point out is the titles that are different in these because the Armenian tale that we're going to be retelling, which I found in a book translated into English called The Golden Maiden and Other Folk Tales and Fairy Stories Told in Armenia. And this book was published in 1897. But the title that it has is... Dejicon, the Coward Hero. Mm. And then the story that is, it's found in the Grimm's Brothers. One of the places that made it like a more prominently known tale was in Andrew and Lenora Lang's The Blue Fairy Book. And the reason Mm. why that is more well-known is like we know that, like, Andrew and Lenora Lang published these like multicolored fairy books. But the blue one is the one I believe it was their first one that they published, and the tales in it are the ones that are probably the best known in the English speaking world mm. in, in large part because they were p- published in a collection in the Blue Fairy Book. And by right. the most well-known, I mean East of the Sun and West of the Moon, Little Red Riding Hood, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp, Rumpelstiltskin, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. Puss in Boots, The Forty Thieves, Hansel and Gretel, Snow White and Rose Red, Toes and Diamonds, Bluebeard, and you've got The Brave Little Taylor in this one. So this, <laughs> this book was like yeah, the one... That if <laughs> the, the lesser known tales basically got a little a little boost by being adjacent to like other tales like in this book. So even though I say like, oh, it's a Grimm's fairy tale, the book that it was kind of pushed into more prominence was the Blue Fairy book.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just an aside, what a brilliant marketing move to be like the Blue Fairy book the, you know, blank color fairy book, like, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. instantly recognizable, like associated with the, like the color. It's a, I just think ahead of, ahead of the game when it comes to just great marketing.
1: Yeah. Of, but, of, of creating this like multicolored book series. And so like one was being published, I think like every year, for I want to say it was like 15 years
0: yeah it's like man I just I want to have one of them all now like you know because just about you can see that on your shelf you know just the boom 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 different colors it would mess people up the the weirdos that not weirdos sorry don't mean to judge not trying to yuck your yum but the people that like arrange their books by color yeah have you seen this as like a thing Uh that would really mess them up because they'd be like uh, that You know, I'm looking for my fairy tale books and then have to go all over the place to get them because they're all different colors. But
1: yeah, because it's anyway. like blue fairy book, red fairy book, green fairy book, yellow fairy book, pink fairy book, gray fairy book. I'm like, oof, less popular. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Violet fairy book. They put book, all the tales that they didn't like in there. Book. The brown fairy book. The one that I think is the least attractive cover, the olive fairy book. No offense to anybody who loves it.
0: <laughs> I didn't even know there, that, that there were that many of them.
1: Oh, yeah. Because um, it was, the Blue Fairy book was published in 1889. And then the last one, the 12th one, the Lilac Fairy book was 1910. Ooh. So I was My wrong. Life. It was over the course of like 20 years, 12 of those. Within there, they also published other ones that were like the Blue Poetry book the true mm. storybook the animal storybook there was one uh, yeah. especially red that was romance the romance
0: book one red specific- book of heroes okay now i'm getting mad red book of animal stories like there's multiple red books my bookshelf is getting all messed up because of the lang's anyway
1: so yeah stories that ended up in in that collection because Obviously, like, when he started, like, the first one, he was gonna, you know, include all those, like, heavy hitters. Yeah. Because, you know, it might be the only one in, like, this series. And so, taking them from, like, a couple different places, because it's, like, not just from Grimm, but also Charles Perrault. Some of his stories are in there, like, Bluebeard. Yeah. And also, yeah, east of the sun, west of the moon. There's also Prince Hyacinth and the Dear Little Princess, which I believe... Has, was a ballet at one point. That's a tale that I'm like, oh, I need to dive more like into that story. A lot of interesting things. But anyway, yeah.
0: Before we get too far from the Langs, and this is also still an aside. But how do we fe- how do we feel these days? You know, in the in the fairy tale folklore community about about Andrew Lang and the Langs and their collection. Lenora, what's his wife? What's his wife's name? Lenora,
1: have I talked to you about this before?
0: I don't know. Maybe I'll. i I, I feel like no, but then oh. I'm sure someone could like punch up an episode of the podcast or two where we've talked about it. I'm like in both times, like wow, yeah. that's really interesting. I've never heard that before, and this will be the third True. time.
1: So, what's really interesting about his wife Lenora is that after the first couple of the Books, he was very much hands off with the creation of the rest of the books, and she was like a master translator. And so, a lot of the translations that were happening of the books and the collecting and compiling of them was being done by Lenora Lang, mm-hmm. which is why I try as much as possible to like put her in there too, like because, yeah, like
0: because she did. The most of the work
1: work, For
0: for the the rainbow of the books
1: yeah and so it's like i know i know that when people are like listening to the podcast the name that will be the more familiar and the one that people would need to know to have like a an understanding of what i was talking about is andrew lang because like if they were to google it it would be easier for them to find extra material to look at by using his name. And so I'm like, I say his name. So, because like, that's the name by which this collection is best known under, but also it's very hard because I don't want to not include Lenora because she's been excluded for like a hundred years from like the conversation because at the time when it was being published and put forward and whatever, like that's where women were considered, you know, like that's how they were treated in the publishing world where it was like, well, we don't want to put her name on it. Who's she? A woman. Gross.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to sneeze. That's, but I think you're doing a good job of, you know, I definitely think that she needs to (laughs) be included and I think you're doing a good job of it in, you know, the discussion we've had so far and I'm sorry I should not have been like Googling and looking at this because I am having a moment. I've talked about this a million times, Katrina, and I only am bringing it up because it's important because it's relevant to the conversation we're having. And it's something I've talked about as being like part of my origin story and interest in like folklore and fairy tales and stuff like that is I talked about, I found a book, is the Arabian the... nights entertainments. It's by them. And it's their collection is the Arabian uh... nights entertainment. So I was like, cause it like a thousand one nights Arabian nights. And I was like, I was like, I always remember the one that I had being called Arabian Nights Entertainments. And I didn't know like, but like, that's not an alternate title that I ever see anywhere. But it's yeah. like, here it is. It's the Lang's collection of stories from Thousand and Wine Nights, the Arabian Nights Entertainments. And my copy of the book was super old. It was like published in like 1911 or 1912. It's really cool. I got to find it again. But the original publishing, nineteen eighty nineteen nine no, not nineteen ninety eight eighteen ninety eight 1898, apparently. So it was like, yeah. Not long after that, yeah, was when my copy. That's incredible. It. Anyway,
1: anyway, so yeah, brave like, little
0: Taylor is in the blue one.
1: Yes, but I'm glad that you asked the question of like, how do we feel about them? And it's like, well, listen, one thing that I do appreciate is, so when I was at the American Folklore Society conference a couple of years ago, I listened to a. Article, panelist, something. It was a paper that was being read, but it was being read by not the author. The author of the paper couldn't make it, but it was really interesting. Actually, the person who was reading it was Dr. Gina Jorgensen. And she was talking about the very first story that's inside of the Blue Fairy Book. So it's like the very first story of the very first book of this collection that they included. And it's called The Bronze Ring. And it is especially anti Semitic. Yikes. Um, And even like some of the, uh, the, original pictures depicting this like Jewish man were especially uh, problematic and and it was just it was a really interesting paper because like it basically was showing that you know they had the option of stories that they could put in the books and which ones they could have chosen to not like highlight and the very first story that they had no problems at all including in like the very first story of the collection was this one that was anti-Semitic and not even like coded anti-Semitic, just like blatantly (laughs) anti-Semitic, like no hiding. And it was just like really interesting. So it is like an interesting question of like, so how do we feel? How do we feel about the Langs? Because like with a lot of people who were bigwigs and famous in the 1880s, there's gonna be some problematic stuff you know like like talking about like the female erasure of like his wife and all of like the work that she did behind his name so that she's not remembered but like he is and then also yeah like they included and platformed stories that were anti-semitic which you know the fact that this story collection was being then pushed all around like Europe and being read to children and being kind of like, if kids had books in their homes, these were some of the books. Like if they're being read books at school, like these were some of the books that that was like happening. And so obviously there is like this conversation that was being had about like where folklorists and story collectors have kind of like, Made the situation worse when it comes to perpetuating like stereotypes and problematic beliefs Mm. in you know, children and stuff. Or even when they were using stories to like shape a country, it's like you don't have to use stories to like shape your national identity around how like cool you are being racist or anti-Semitic.
0: Yeah. You don't have
1: to.
0: You don't have to. You don't have to. And yet, so many people choose yeah, to. Yeah, it
1: becomes it becomes the go-to choice. So that's how we feel about them. Good to know. Yeah. Glad you asked. Or am I? Anyway, so already at the big be- at the outset, we have you know this idea of Dejicon, the coward hero, versus the brave, <laughs> the gallant little Taylor. It'll be less triggering for your brain toaster wise if I call them yeah the, to call them the gallant <laughs> the galliant yeah
0: for sure. But it's like it is interesting to even just the difference of titles because what like gallant and cowardly. You know, I'm no English scholar, but I believe those are antonyms.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: How could something so opposite be so sane?
1: Is gallant the opposite of brave? Oh, no, it's opposite the opposite of, coward. of cowardly. Yeah. So Thank you. I'm so sorry. I wasn't listening to what you were saying. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's called our podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's interesting that right off the bat in the title, you have these like total opposites to each other. And you'll see that reflected in these two guys in the stories that they're in. So... I want to start off by saying there is so much more research that I want to do into Armenian tales because the Armenian people, the history of them is extremely fascinating because of how long they have been around and in the area that they are in. Mm. And and for so long that there are like these like, in-depth disputes about where some of the, like, traditions that they have, the festivals that they have, like, where they sprang from. Because, and we've talked about this in the past, Christianity. And how whenever Christianity hits an area, it starts to change, like, the beliefs of people. But it always seems to take on the flavor that was already there in the area.
0: Yeah, it's just like a skin that goes over the top in some ways. I mean, and in in other ways it does like kind of fundamentally change things, but it is interesting to see when it does just kind of like get like how can we make this new thing the the old thing without like
1: without like outright saying it. Yeah. So what's fascinating though about that element is that Christianity inside of Armenia, and the Armenian culture, it was basically like one of the first, very first places where it hit, where, the, where this phenomenon of Christianity glazing over the locals hit. Because around AD 276, it is said that the king and the whole nation became Christian when St. Gregory the Illuminator came and brought Christianity to the people. And the Armenian church is the oldest national Christian church in the world. Wow. And so when it comes to, like, that gloss, like, over the area, that, that, that Christian gloss that goes over the area, it's extremely difficult to tell after 2,000 years what traditions <laughs> were there before and which ones changed after Christianity. Because of, like, how early it happened and how, like, completely it happened. And, for example, it is disputed how the Armenian people, you know, got to the area that they got to. And there is... Like I, so it's like I don't, I don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings or or question their truth or like you know validity or anything. And so if if this is a deeply held belief for somebody, I don't want them to think that I'm saying like it's not real, it's not true, or like whatever, because I don't know, I <laughs> like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But for for some people, there was this belief that the Armenian people were descended from, what was the kid's name? Japheth? He was one of the brothers on Noah's ship.
0: Mm, I have no idea.
1: And so for a while, there was this belief that the people came, like that they settled around Mount Ararat, because they were Mm -hmm. some of the first people to get off of the ship and stay there after the Great Deluge. And there's a lot of stories of 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 the flood or right after the flood that are part of the history of that area, that people still like deeply believe historically happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There are other Armenian people who are like, oh no, you know, I don't believe that that actually happened, but our people have been here for a very 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 long time. But there used to be, or rather, there still is a festival that is held in July that it has some of these like disputed facts about like how old it is, like how, Mm -hmm. where it came from because the, the Armenian apostolic church says that the reason why this festival happens is because they are celebrating Noah and their history that goes back to the, the flood. And what they do hmm. is on this day in July is everybody gets drenched with water. Everybody gets baptized with water. <laughs> and so the point is to dunk everybody with some water by sunset so that they all, you know, are like in a, in a way, like recreating the deluge, the spiritual baptism of like the earth in this like biblical times. And then at night, They release like a flock of doves to fly over Mm. the city as a remembrance of like the flood, you know, is over and it's not going to happen again. And there's like hope in, you know, the coming years and stuff. And I'm like, I, as a person who grew up in Thailand where we have Songkran Festival, which is like basically the same thing, not it's not related to Noah. At all, but it's the idea of, like, the cleansing nature of, like, water and, like, the blessings and stuff that come with water. But I love that there are these two different cultures, and I know that there are other cultures, too, that'll have, like, you know, kind of a...
0: Nationwide water fight celebrations.
1: I love it. I absolutely love it. So, meanwhile, other people... Are like no, this was before Christianity. This was a festival that it was already happening before, like Christianity came in and and kind of like you know put this Noah story with it. But then other people are like, well, but the Noah story is older than Christianity. Yeah, and so it yeah, and so there you know obviously a lot of dispute of like how old this story is. Um, because another possible place that it could have come from is an ancient festival that was associated with a goddess who is the goddess of water, beauty, love, and fertility. And so they're like, no, this could have been a long time ago, a celebration of like harvest time of like the necessity for water, the necessity for that, like fertility to feed everybody during like harvest time. So obviously it's, it's, it's super interesting to me because we've talked about the like Christian gloss that goes over things, but this is kind of like, to me, one of the earliest examples of that happening. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the story that I'm going to be telling today. I just wanted to say like the Armenian people would be just like a super fascinating thing to do. Kind of like a deep dive into like folklore wise, just because of where they sit in regards to culture. And they're in that kind of like interesting, sweet spot that we've like, you know, talked about before where Europe and Asia and even like parts of like Africa, it's like they're all in that like fertile crescent area and around and and there were so many crossroads that traveled through it, battles that were fought where you know people were pushed and pulled other ways, so just super fascinating. we're barely even going to touch any part of the culture in terms of the history of this area and these people, which is always like a shame when it's like, Oh, it'd be great to do like a total and complete deep dive, but we're going to focus on this story and then look at the gallant little Taylor as well, just for the jollies. So Dejicon, the coward hero. So Dejicon was a very unfortunate man, <laughs> and he also was very poor when it came to you know wealth, so you know no he'd been up until this point very unlucky, and like poor, he only had two goats and a cow, and one angry wife. <laughs> And it said that his wife was an ambitious woman and always annoyed him by making frequent demands. And it's super interesting because this is something that we'll see later does not happen in the gallant little tailor, but it is a thing that happens in several tales, including the fisherman and his wife in the Grimm's fairy tale book where it's like this fisherman, his like undoing is having this wife who it's not that they're ambitious. It's that they are like greedy and ungrateful for what they do have. Because like, it's one thing Mm -hmm. if you're like an ambitious person and you're going out and hustling and trying to like make that stuff happen. But it's another thing. If you are like, Oh, Oh, I want my life to be better, but I want you to be the one that makes my life better. To me, I'm like, that's not ambitious. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, quibbling points. So this woman was constantly, you know, telling him, like, you need to go out and and do more work, find other work, like be you need to be like hustling, basically, to move our family to like a better position Because I want a new house. I want to be able to buy myself brand new dresses. We shouldn't have just goats and one cow. Like, we should be having, like, oxen and sheep and a horse. And I want a wagon. I want all this stuff. And Dejicon was like, I can't. There's nothing I can do, like, to provide all that for you. Like, that's not going to happen. That's, like, not a thing. But she was just constantly complaining, constantly on him about stuff. So one day after just dealing with his wife's like nonstop complaints about how her life is horrible. And this is awful. And she doesn't want to live like this and blah, 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 all that stuff. He decided that he's like, you know what? I can't, I can't anymore. Like I, I want to go out and said, let me run from this wicked woman to the wilderness and there die. So it's not like he was like like oh I'm leaving this woman and I'm going I'm on a hunt for a better life. No. He was like I just want to go out to the I'm wilderness. Gonna end it yeah, all. I'm just going to go end it all. I just can't. Be, like I'm going to go into the wilderness and you know let whatever happens happens. Let let the wilderness take me. <laughs> and so he grabbed his walking stick and the cow And left. And what I thought, the immediate scripture that I thought of was, it's one of the only scriptures I think in the Bible that I think about on like a regular basis, just because it used to make me laugh so much. Uh, And it is Proverbs 21, 19. It's better to live in the wilderness than with an angry and contentious woman.
0: <laughs> he took it to heart.
1: Yeah, he took it to heart. He was like, "Oh yeah, mm, Proverbs twenty one. <laughs> oh man, and oh yeah, that's the King James version. That's so funny because, like, you know, there's different translations of it. Better to live in a tent in the wild than with a cross and petulant spouse. I like that one because it's a little more gender neutral.
0: Yeah, you can apply. I that. can
1: apply that Same to lesson, me yeah. just as equally. So I'm like, oh. That one, that one is good. But I just, for whatever reason, that always like tickled me when, <laughs> when I'd read that like at, at church or something, just because man, it does ring true that it's like, I mean, not if you're like, like, oh, it's it's better to live in the wilderness than with your like annoying naggy wife. Like, no, it's one of those things where it's like, like, oh man, <laughs> You can only put up with like awful people for so long. What, you know, whether they're your wife or your husband or anybody in your life. Because, yeah, I mean, who hasn't been like working a job and dealing with a difficult like boss? Sorry if this hits too close to home. (laughs) Dealing with like a difficult boss and being like, I would rather be unemployed or I would rather take a pay cut to work somewhere else than to keep dealing with this person because like, it's just not worth like my mental health to (laughs) put up with this like anymore. And that's what Digicon did. He was like, you know what? No, I'd rather just die in the wilderness. And what I like too, is it said, this is what the woman wanted. And like, that's the last thing you ever hear like about this woman where it's like, what she really wanted, I love that it's like, what she really wanted was for this guy to just get gone. She just didn't want him around anymore. Which I'm like, good. I, you know what? I hope that they're both happy.
0: Yeah, it seems like it worked out best for both Yeah. Of them. So far. Yeah, because he, he- I don't know how the rest of this yeah, story he goes. he doesn't,
1: you know, like, as long as it doesn't end up dead in the wilderness. So yeah, it's like, if she wanted him gone, she just wanted to live alone and, like, without this dude, I hope that she got her wish, you know? The best of luck to her. And thus he ran from her and wandered in the wilderness. <laughs> so it says when he got hungry, he would milk, like, the cow. And then if he was really tired, he would climb on top of the cow and let the cow walk. But, you know, the two of them were, were going it together, so it was nice. But the story says that he was very timid. A typical coward. <laughs> 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 and even the sight of, like, a rat would make him shake. Which I'm like, okay, buddy, you're in the wilderness. You're going like to be seeing some stuff that might be a wee bit bigger than a rat. But anyway, he just kept reminding himself, it's better for me to be torn up by wild beasts than to become the slave of a wicked woman. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, all right. You know, he's got his priorities where he's like, you know what, if I'm going to die, let me die. I don't know how great that is, you know, to be in that spot mental health wise. But, you know, that's where he was.
0: That's 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 where he was.
1: Yep. So. One day, while his cow was eating, he just decided he was going to lay down and relax and let the cow, you know, munch on the grass it needed to. And he was going to just lay there for a little bit. But pretty soon a bunch of flies started buzzing around him and they were trying to like bite at him and he was getting annoyed by all of them and said he cursed his wife. Cause he, you know, he kind of was like, Oh, this wouldn't be happening to me if it wasn't for her. <laughs> so he cursed his wife and he clapped his hands together to kill the flies. I guess he clapped his hands like one time to, you know, get the like flies away. And then he pulled apart his hands and looked in them to see how many he'd killed, and lo and behold, he had killed seven flies with just one clap of his hands, which I'm like, how thick were those flies around his body if he could clap them together, clap his hands together and kill kill seven? seven, That's too, like, how many? I'm like, he was being surrounded by like probably like 120 flies if he can get all of them all at once. (laughs) That's a lot of flies.
0: We don't have to go into this, but I'd be fascinated to hear how the math worked out in your brain to get 120 (laughs) so confidently but for now let's move beyond
1: it if the square footage of a person's butt now like i'm just like there had to be a lot you know so anyway oh yeah so dejacon was like i am dejacon i have killed seven by one stroke of the hand (laughs) and i'm like listen jeff it's
0: a misplaced confidence
1: Okay, one, I'm immature, and I don't know which is better. Seven in one blow or seven Mm. in one stroke?
0: (laughs) Seven in one SWAT.
1: Yeah, because I'm like, as a dirty-minded person, I need them to pick a different
0: word. Yes.
1: Anyway, so yeah, he was like, like, oh, I killed seven by one stroke of my hand, so... He pulled out his stick, the stick that he had brought with him, and he like inscribed on his own stick. Like, I'm Dejicon, I've killed 7 by one stroke of the hand, which is like, buddy, if that is your biggest brag, that's rough, man. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. But anyway, so he's feeling pretty good about himself in that moment. So he got back on his cow and they were riding away and they journeyed for a while until they came to a magnificent giant castle with an orchard surrounding it. And so he let his cow graze in the meadow some more and he laid down to sleep, which I'm like, dude, if there's a castle in like the middle of this orchard, the orchard might belong to somebody. I don't know, just a thought. Just a thought, but he laid down to sleep and just like let his cow graze. So seven brothers who lived in the castle saw him and the cow out in their meadow and they decided, like, "Mm, we need to figure out who this guy is and like why he's wandered over here. Like, what is his deal? So Dejukon was sleeping and they snuck like right up to him, and he had his stick leaning up the tree next to him. So the men approached. And read the inscription on the side, like, killed seven by one stroke of the hand. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, what in the world? And he must be (laughs) a pretty brave guy, too, to just, like, come to our orchard by our castle and, like, just let... Just sleep? Sleep and let his cow just, like, loose doing, like, whatever in our orchard. Like, this guy, that's pretty brazen. But, I mean, if he has killed seven, like, just with one stroke of his hand, like... I don't know, maybe we should be scared of him. And so this one guy, he went back to his brothers and he told them all the stuff that he had just, you know, witnessed and inferred (laughs) into the situation. And so all the seven brothers decided what they were going to do is they were going to go back and pay their respects to this unknown hero. And so they went over to him and he like woke up mostly because I guess they frightened the cow <laughs> as they were walking up. I guess the cow saw seven of them and the cow started freaking out and the cow bellowing and freaking out woke up Khan, and he saw these like seven men standing next to him. And so he quickly like grabbed his like big stick and he was like shaking because he was terrified. But the brothers, when they saw that, they thought that he was shaking mad. That he was like uh-huh. s-
0: shaking with yeah,
1: anger. that. He was like, oh, yeah, just come over here and let me whack you <laughs> one good time with my stick.
0: There's exactly seven of you, and I can swipe you all with this one swipe of my stick. And yeah, he's kill like, you dead.
1: Yeah, I won't even break a sweat. Uh, That's what they were thinking that he was thinking when he was standing there shaking, holding his club. But really what he was thinking was, oh, my gosh, it's going (laughs) to happen. So they're, you know, he's freaking out and they're like, oh, no, he's he's angry. He's going to kill all of us with just one swat. And so immediately they, you know, got down like on their knees and they were like, we're so sorry for, for being so rude and waking you up when you were sleeping. We didn't mean to like, so rudely wake you up. We didn't mean to scare your cow. At, like, just please, please, please. We're so sorry. And they invited him to like, come back to their castle and like, have a meal with him. And he was like, what? What? oh yeah sure okay yeah that sounds good (laughs) and they were as they're walking back to the castle they were saying to him like so us us seven brothers we we actually like ourselves we have like a pretty good reputation for being like really really good fighters and now that we have you like we're we're basically like this invincible fighting pack of dudes right man and he's like yes for sure an invincible pack of fighting dudes for real. (laughs) And they were like, now that we found you, I mean, it'd be really great if you'd kind of like join our band of brothers, you can be like, kind of like an elder brother to us and, and, and like teach us your ways and stuff. (laughs) And Deji was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that sounds great. Exactly what, what I would have loved and have always wanted. (laughs) And so they took him into their castle, like, lot of, I was going to say pomp and circumstance, and then I remembered that one time when I had said pomp and circumstance, <laughs> and you had started humming pomp and circumstance, but Dun, I was like, na, 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 in my head, like, why is he singing this graduation song? And then I just kept talking, and then it was later when I was, like, editing that I was like, that was a hilarious joke that my <laughs> friend Jeff told that went right over my head. Perfect. So anyway... With all that pomp and circumstance, they led him into the castle and there was like a big banquet hall and they were like, let's let's get all this food for you. And there's this like little note of like the seven brothers stood before him, folding their arms upon their breasts and waiting for his permission to sit. So like already they're like, dude, welcome to our castle. But like all respect, all respect goes to you. You tell us what to do. You're in charge, man. Like you're you're the the boss and it said that Khan was in great alarm and his heart was faint and he had fallen into meditation as to the manner in which he might free himself from this perplexing situation <laughs> so like immediately he's just like oh why is this happening to me how am I gonna get out of here without them now getting mad at me for running away and like taking offense and he's like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm gonna do And since he was just standing there kind of like frozen in terror, not even knowing how to make like a decision, those seven brothers were like, wow, like not only is he this like really like brave, strong hero, but he's also like, like a stoic, just like this great, wise, like sage. He, he doesn't even need to, like, look into our faces. He just, he just has this, like, still, quiet <laughs> knowing about him.
2: <laughs> uh.
1: Oh, man. So, anyway, it, it says they began to cough in a low voice to draw his attention. Or, and because, it says because of, like, Dejicon's, like, fear, his head, like, started to shake. And they took that as, like, permission to sit down. So they all like sat down. He sat down with it. I'm like, I love this, this man. Cause it's like the whole time. He's just like in absolute terror, not knowing what to do, but everybody else is misunderstanding. And so they're in terror of him, which is yeah. just causing him to freak out more because he's like, Oh no, there's a misunderstanding. Oh no. Now the misunderstanding is spiraling.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And at what point do I tell them? But if I tell them, they'll be mad and i don't want them to be mad so i just won't tell them until yeah. oh my gosh like
0: but the longer you wait to tell them the madder they will be and the harder it's going to be for yeah, you to so convince them yeah it's like he's getting like them. more
1: and more freaked out the longer it goes on so anyway they're all sitting down at the banquet eating and they're like oh my lord where have you left your horse and your servants because like if you command us we'll we'll go and bring them back And Dejicon finally kind of, like, speaking, was like, horse and arms are necessary for timid men. I have never had need of them. I use horse and arms only when I fight a great battle. As to servants, I never need them. All men are my servants.
0: (laughs) So wait, he said that? He said
1: that. I'm like.
0: So he decided to just, like. Lean hard into it. Yeah,
1: like oh, why right. why don't I have a horse? The only losers have horses. Why don't I have it's servants? Like everybody is my servant.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like the he's following the Ghostbusters advice where they're like, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Like similar, yeah, yeah, like yeah. if people assume that you're just like this really like tough like BA guy, like just go with it. Just uh, you know say that you are.
1: Yeah, they'll either figure it out or they won't, I guess. But yeah, he's like, Deshikan is my name. I've killed seven by one stroke of the hand.
2: <laughs> and they're all
1: like, wow. Wow, that guy. He's just incredible. Man. The-
0: Love how he conveniently leaves off what <laughs> those seven were.
1: Yeah. It's like, man, come on now. So anyway, they were so fascinated by his, like, mystique. <laughs> Oh my gosh! That they were like, you know what? We have one sister. That's us. Seven brothers. And we have one sister, and she's so beautiful. A lot of other guys have wanted to marry our sister, but we haven't let them because we don't want her dating any losers. <laughs> and you know, so we've been we've been refusing any guy who tries to come after her. You should marry her. You're like the best man. You should marry our sister, and then you, then you'd be like <laughs> for real our brother, right? And Desikon was like in his head, like I am so unworthy. I'm like not only are you unworthy, yeah, you're already married. But I mean, that feels like it feels like they've been feels they've like- been separated. They're tr- having yeah. a trial separation. <laughs>
0: i don't know if it was even a trial separation i think they're both
1: yeah i mean again the story did say that's what he left and that's what she wanted yeah and i like that in there because in my head canon she is like okay now i've lost that dead weight now i can like start my own business and she's in my mind you know just like entrepreneur hustle. She's just going to tell everybody, yo, yeah, my husband, he died. And so, you know, I was married, but my husband's dead. And so respect me. And I'm starting my own business. That's all my head canon because I want the best for mm-hmm. her too. But also anyway, Dejikan was like in his head thinking like, I am totally not worthy to marry this woman. But if I refuse to marry their sister are they going to be like real mad at me and so out loud he was like oh yeah i will do you the favor of marrying her (laughs) since you guys asked so nicely (laughs) like oh not (laughs) don't get up on my account anyway so they brought out these like expensive gorgeous clothes put them on Dejicon until he looked like the most handsome bridegroom ever and splendid wedding festival and it started to get reported to all of the neighboring kingdoms you know that that beautiful princess with those seven brothers who were super picky about like who their sister was gonna marry she finally got married to this like warrior god guy Not God, Mm -hmm. yeah, just this like absolute warrior dude. So there were four princes of the neighboring countries who were the guys who had asked for her hand in marriage. And all of them had gotten refused. So when they heard that she had just gotten married to some random guy that just showed up, they were like, what? This is bullcrap!" For real? Like, let's band together all of our, like, armies and go fight these guys guys like this who is this jabroni that is like (laughs) come out here taking this woman no no absolutely not and so they were like we're gonna declare war on these seven brothers and their kingdom and Dejicon when he heard about this he was like uh, absolutely petrified he said he wished that the earth would open its mouth and swallow him I'm, this man, the anxiety level that he is living with is like, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm like, you, sir, you need medication <laughs> because his, his anxiety and how he's acting out of fear and anxiety is just giving him more anxiety. Like somebody help this man, please. But anyway, no help was to be had for this man. Anyway, so he was thinking about running away. But there really was no escape at this point because he's in this palace surrounded by these seven brothers, his brand new wife and, (laughs) you know, their armies outside and the people who are warring against him. So he's like, what's my master plan? Like, how am I supposed to leave here? So while he was sitting there, just in his thoughts being like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The seven brothers came up to him and they're like, all right. What are your orders? Are you going to go fight them yourselves or do you want us to go first? Like, you know, what's the game plan, man? Like, are you going to...
0: Because we know you could get out there and just wham, seven of them dead yeah. right off the bat. They're
1: like, are you just going to... we come are you in. you going to just, like, go out there full berserker style? Or, like, do you want us to, like, go out first <laughs> and then you come in and you're like, what now, big boy's here? Like, what's your plan? <laughs> and... It said Dejikan started to like shake again because he was like so afraid, his teeth striking one against the other. And the brothers again were like, oh my gosh, he's so full of this like violent rage that <laughs> he's like barely holding it together. He's like so seething mad. And they were like, you know what? He's so seething mad right now. We're actually kind of scared if he goes out first, He's he's gonna go nuts, just indiscriminately killing people. So they were like, okay, okay, my lord. Instead of you going out first, like we'll go out first, and and if it gets hard, then we'll have you like come out to like assist us. But like they they were like, he's so wild. We don't we don't want everyone to just get massacred, (laughs) right? They're like, we don't want this to get out of hand. No reason for this to be a full bloodbath, you know? Like let's let's keep this reasonable because you know they're in their heads are like we're going to give these people a chance to you know stand down before we unleash this absolute monster of a man <laughs> <laughs> in my mind it's like they have imagined this guy as just like a a, a full mountain you know just like wrestler so they were like, like, oh, no, 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 we'll, like, we'll, we'll go out first. If we need your help, if we need your help, we'll call for your assistance. And Dejicon was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good plan, good plan. And, you know, he's like relieved because he's like, okay, yeah, just let those seven brothers handle it. Like, they know this army, they know the four princes that are upset. Like, it's fine, I'll let them handle it. And so the battle began, Began. And so the battle began (laughs) and said the neighboring people were in constant terror of the seven brothers because they were famous as like really brave fighters. And they had heard now that they had this brother-in-law that could kill seven men in one stroke with his hand. And so they were kind of like, oh, well, I don't know how much we want to fight these guys. So. It says the men of the four princes, you know, they, they united and fought with zeal and determination because they were like, you know what, like, we just got to give it our best and our all. And so the fighting was like really, really intense. And the seven brothers whose armies like were not as great, you know, they started to have to retreat a little bit. And so at that point they sent somebody to go tell their new brother-in-law, Dejicon, like, we're in trouble, come and assist us. And so the person, you know, got over and was like, hey, they need your help out there. Are you ready to go? And he was like, oh, no, what? And they're like, don't worry. Like, (laughs) like you had said that, you know, you use uh, a horse and arms like when you only when you go into battle. And so we have a horse and arms to give you to like go into battle. And he was like, oh, my gosh, because he had never ridden a horse before. And because having never had a horse or access to a horse, he'd never even ridden a horse before. So they led him over and said he began to curse the day in which he came to their castle. I'm like, yeah, I bet. But he decided, you know, I might as well get on this horse and go out into battle because like I'm dead. I'm dead. Anyway, I went into the wilderness to die. I just, which i'm like buddy what are you so afraid of it's obviously not death like what what are you ashamed like like what are you really scared of like and i i'm like dude this is he's has an anxiety problem because yeah. if he's oh, if yeah. he's so anxious that he's not afraid to die dying is the most final terrifying thing to be scared of because like there's no coming back from that
0: yeah i mean we should have seen this coming though cuz he was like too afraid to just, like, keep dealing with his wife at the beginning of the story that he walked off into the wilderness to die (laughs) rather than put up with her. So I was like, oh, yeah. yeah."
1: Yeah. So, man, buddy, you need help. So anyway, so he mounted the horse, and the horse knew, like, immediately that he was an inexperienced rider, had no idea what he was doing, and he was making the horse uncomfortable. So the horse started running, It said ran away like a winged eagle trying to basically get this guy off of him because it was like, oh, my gosh, this guy doesn't know how to like ride properly. He's making me uncomfortable. I don't want him up there. He doesn't want to be up there. Then get off. So Dejicon, he couldn't, he didn't know how to stop the horse. He didn't know how to manage it. He was just like, oh my gosh. And they're just like tearing out into battle. So the seven brothers, they see Dejicon like on the back of this horse, just riding as like fast as he can, not even holding on to like the reins. And the brothers were like, oh my gosh, he's so brave that he's just like, let the horse like run free so that he can keep both of his hands free to like slaughter enemies. It's like, yeah, that's what he's doing. This is all a plan. So the horse immediately like broke into the line of the enemies and started going, and all the people were like, oh, my gosh. They started saying, oh, but who among us can stand before this great hero? <laughs> so they, in terror, started to like flee and push up against each other to try to be the first to get away from him. So they're like they're damaging each other, trying to get away as quickly as they can from Dejicon. Meanwhile, Dejicon, he has no control over this horse whatsoever. And the horse starts running towards the forest. And he was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. They're like going through like trees. And so he just like reaches out and grabs onto an oak tree so that he can hold on to it and let the horse just go because he's afraid as it goes deeper into the forest that he's going to get whacked in the face and killed by a tree Mm -hmm. so he grabs onto this oak tree and leaps off of like the horse but the tree which happened to have already been rotting a little bit it wasn't as rooted as it looked like it was so when he jumped off of it the tree, like, ripped out by the roots from the ground, and people were like, oh, my gosh, that man (laughs) just ripped that tree out of the ground. What is he going to do with it? Is he going to beat us all to death with this oak tree? (laughs) And so they, you know, became even more, like, terrorized and started, like, running off, So crying as they ran away, they slaughtered one another. And the seven brothers like ran over to him while all of these people were like retreating and they ran over to him and they're like, what magnificent courage, what a great victory. Never before have we seen such a brave hero. (laughs) And with these words, they lifted Dejicon and carried him home in glory. And the four princes who had originally waged war were so humiliated by, like, the defeat. And they didn't want to have, you know, bad relationships now after the war with this man. And so they ended up sending Khan and the palace 1,000 ewes with their lambs, 10 mares with their colts, and lots of costly material. And thus it was that the greatest coward became the greatest hero. The end.
0: Love it. Love it.
1: I was like this
0: That was such a fun it's story. It's so
1: fun. <laughs> Especially because, and we'll we'll see this like difference even more so like when I tell the next story. How interesting it is that it was like this, like this humble scared man was able to kind of like stumble and fumble his way into yeah. The success that he had.
0: Yeah. I love like a story where the series of misunderstandings like just compound on each other and and also like it works out, you know, because it does become kind of sad and like frustrating and whatever. When it's like it all comes crashing down at some point, especially when in this case, it's not like he was intending to deceive anybody or something, you know, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just, I just love that, like, the misunderstandings, like, people thinking something else and the other person being, like, either too nervous or too whatever, like, polite or whatever the case may be to, like, correct them just leads to quite an adventure. It's, like, just,
1: just great. Yeah, it reminds me of sometimes when I have been, like, making small talk with somebody in public and they will either mishear me or misunderstand me when I say something. And I think to myself, instead of correcting them, because it's going to be a short interaction, I'm just going to yeah. just let it go. But then they start asking <laughs> me more follow-up questions <laughs> on the thing uh, that they misheard. And then now now I'm just blatantly lying. I'm just like coming up with like nonsense because right. I am like, oh.
0: You can't be like, oh, i, I- it's actually not true. You misunderstood what I said earlier and I didn't correct you because I didn't want to be rude. Like,
1: yeah. It and would so be okay I, to say so told, that, but it's also like it, super awkward. Yeah, because then it's like, then you have to say, so I, I made up one initial lie, but now now you want me to make more lies and the stress of that is freaking me out and I, I want to leave now. I want to end this The stress of that is
0: less than the stress of just continuing
1: to yeah. lie. Yeah. And that's how I feel like is what's going on with this guy where he's just like, oh, they misunderstood. But now they're taking me to their castle and okay, now they're feeding me should I leave now? And then they're like, do you want to marry our sister? And it's like, at that point, he's like, what, what do I say? Like, at this point, do I go, <laughs> oh my gosh, you have misunderstood. I'm actually like a little loser and I've only killed, I killed seven flies. I was being covered by flies and I killed them. And I wrote it on my stick. I don't know why I wrote it on my stick. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I just did. And I should have corrected you when you found me out there, but I was worried when you found me out there that you were going to be mad that I had let my cow graze out here. And please, it's not that I don't want to marry your sister. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. It's just there's been a terrible misunderstanding. I should have said something before I came in here and ate all of this food. And I'm sorry, and please don't be mad.
0: Yeah, and it's that thing, too. The best part It's like, it was all because he's decided to write this on the stick. And it's like, why? And it's, pro- I love what you said too, because it probably is that just like, why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. I just did it because why not? You know what I mean?
1: Just, I was and just impressed it- with myself for killing that many flies. And I wrote it on my stick. I was bored. I was by myself. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a cool, it was just a cool amount of flies to kill all, all, all at one go. And there's been a terrible misunderstanding. I'm so sorry. Please don't kill me for eating all of your food and for sleeping in your orchard. And please let me go. But no. And then it's like the the further he gets into it, the harder it would be to explain all of the everything moving back because it's like, oh, these guys are going to war with us. Like, you're a really great warrior. What's he supposed to say? Oh, actually, I'm not. And you let me marry your sister. And I should have said something before that. But now it's too late. I married your sister. And yeah, it's like mm. it, it gets harder and harder with every move. And so it's nice to see. I saw a thing the other day that was like, like, why can't I ever have an upward spiral?
0: <laughs> I've had that same yeah, thought. And
1: it's, I'm like. This is a story of a man who's having an upward spiral and (laughs) it's out of control.
0: (laughs) Yeah. An accidental upward spiral.
1: May we all have accidental upward spirals.
0: I think that's the thing. Like, oh, upward spirals do exist, but they just... Like a downward spiral can be started and perpetuated on accident. Yeah. Whereas like an upward spiral... You know, and then you can do things while you're in the spiral that like don't help. You know what I mean? Like you can actively contribute to it. But it's like for an upward spiral, you're very rarely going to have enough like bits of good luck that like continue on that way. It's like it just requires an upward spiral requires a lot of continued effort and work. I do think it's possible, but, you know, it's not just like natural. Because, again, as the name would imply, you're going against the pull of gravity, against the descent into chaos and entropy yeah. and towards order and beauty. I don't That's know. A, I lost it there at the somebody,
1: end. Somebody last semester had asked me like, hey, how's life going? How's it going? And I was like, I feel like I'm falling upstairs. We're like, like <laughs> technically I'm still moving up the stairs, but I have this terrible feeling that I am falling and I have to move really fast to scramble <laughs> to stay technically upright. Yeah. And so hopefully I don't end up falling down the stairs.
0: Hopefully not. Figuratively or. Yeah, it was
1: like, oh, no, the feeling, the feeling how I would describe it is falling, but in an upward trajectory currently. I'm happy. Thank you. you. (laughs) Thank you. Me too. So now I'm going to tell the brave little Taylor and I'll be honest, I did not like this man. The Taylor. The I didn't like his uh, his personality. It, he rankles. He rankles mm. me because you'll see that like his his personality is a lot different from. Dejikon, the coward hero. This guy is I don't know if I would describe him as brave. I would say he's pretty clever, but extremely conceited and full of himself mm. and lucky. Yeah, I, I'm like, yeah, he he's lucky. And so he's actually, right. like, not not one of my favorites.
0: He, like, I can already see, like, he's lucky, but then he attributes all of his good luck to just his own skill and yeah. competence when really it's not. It really is just luck. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good, that's not a type of person that I think many people like to hang yeah. around.
1: Yeah. And so I, I'm like, I like him a lot less. It's always, it's always hard when I'm like, oh, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't have time to retell this tale today as well. But, you know, it also reminds me of probably the best version of the the three. It's somewhere in the middle. And that's the tale of Courage, the Cowardly Dog.
1: Who will protect our home?
0: Yeah. Who is... He is so terrified of everything. Yes. So terrified of everything. And yet, he does what he has to do to protect this old man and old woman.
1: Yeah, dude. I'm like... That that he is like a nice like in between because it's like instead of him being terrified and falling into luck or whatever, that is a dog that is absolutely terrified. He's like, why is all this horrible stuff happening? And yet he still makes choices to actively be like saving his like family.
0: Yeah. And that's the definition of courage. Yeah. Being afraid. But doing what you have yeah. to do anyway. So
1: he is courage, the cowardly dog.
0: Yeah. What a what a br- we grew up in the golden age <laughs> of children's animation. Sure. <laughs> we will be writing books about this for years to come. But anyway, let's go to the Blue Fairy book and hear about this gallant tailor.
1: So there was once a little tailor who was sitting at his table by his window. It said, in the best of spirits, and I
0: like how it calls him little, like right at the beginning, yeah. like is he short in stature or like what or young?
1: I believe it's short in stature, that he's just like he's a small, kind of scrawny guy, so it's like, okay, the reason why it's important is because, like in the stuff that he's doing it, it is fully a and literal a David and Goliath situation where it's like mm. he is going to be battling. Giants And he is
0: And he's just a little
1: guy He's not even like a big dude Fighting a giant As
0: far as humans are concerned he's on the smaller side So it's like a smaller human fighting A bigger giant even by giants Yeah because
1: it's not like Shaq fighting a giant Like who's One (laughs) of our largest humans One of our tallest humans Fighting Like a giant No 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 (laughs) This is a proper little guy. No, little guy. He's just a little guy. Um, okay. So yeah, and so he's so. just sitting by the window sewing, and as he's sewing, he sees this woman going down the streets, you know, yelling out like "jam for sale, jam for sale," and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> I want some jam." And this this whole <laughs> this this next scene irritates me.
0: I can't believe that this is is like the inciting incident is like someone selling jam.
1: Instead of it starting off as like a woman was harassing a man until he wanted to go into the woods and die. Like, no.
0: (laughs) Much better way to start a (laughs) story.
1: Much better way to start a story. This story starts (laughs) off with like, there's a lady who's like, jam's for sale. And this guy, he irritates me so much. And he irritates this woman too. Because he's like, Uh oh, I would like to... Like, look at your jams and sample your wares. And she's like, okay. So he has her come inside his like tailor shop and present to him all the jams. So he's like opening up the jams and sniffing all of the jams mm. as he's trying to decide like which jam. He's wasting full up wasting this woman's time. I'm so irritated. And then he's.
0: I've been stuck behind a guy like this at the, the ice cream.
1: Yeah. He was just like, I just.
0: Getting a little spoon of every, single, every flavor. single flavor. Bro, it's chocolate. You know what chocolate yeah, ice cream like, tastes like.
1: Make make an educated guess. At some point in your life, I'm sure you've had an ice cream like this before. So yeah, he is sniffing all of these jams, trying to make a decision. And finally, he's like, Oh, I think I want this jam, but I only want like, I think it says like four ounces of it. So he's not even buying a full jar from this woman. He has full up wasted her time with his like mm-hmm. whatever. So she's grumpy. She gives him the amount that he like wants and is just like, okay, fine. And leaves. Yeah. It says the woman who had hoped to find a good market gave him what he wanted, but went away grumbling wrathfully because seriously, (laughs) this guy. So he was like, Oh, so now that I have this good jam, how am I going to eat it? I want to get some like good use out of it. I know I'm going to go grab a nice piece of bread And I'm going to cut off the round off of the loaf, spread the jam on it. Oh, perfect. That looks incredible. But first what I'm going to do is I'm going to make, I'm going to finish sewing this waistcoat and then I'll come back to it. So I'm just going to like leave it here. So he put the plate down by like an open window. Idiot. So he's almost done with this waistcoat. He looks over and he sees that there's a bunch of flies buzzing around his jam that he just bought. And he's like, oh, man, like all these like flies. So he grabs a piece of cloth and he just like whacks as fast as he can over by the flies. And he looks and I think that it was like, let me double check, because I think it was like more than one whack. Oh, no, this funny thing where he's like saying, "Ha, huh, who invited you? And he's chasing them around at first, like with the cloth. and it said, <laughs> But the flies who didn't understand English. Refused to let themselves be warned off and returned agra- again oh. in greater numbers.
0: <laughs> that's, I love that. I like the way that yeah. Yeah, that's funny.
1: Uh, but it says, yeah, he beat them mercilessly. And then when he stopped, he counted them. And so that in, that to me makes it sound like he. Yeah,
0: multiple. Yeah, multiple
1: whacks. Wax. Not, not just like one big, like, whapap or like one clap. And looks down, like, his hand's like, no, he, like, wailed on him. And so he started counting them, and it said, no fewer than seven lay dead before him with their outstretched legs. (laughs) Like, wow, we're really painting a picture here. And it said, when he counted all these, it filled him with self-admiration. He was like, wow, good for me. That's, like, I did so good. And then he said, the whole town should know about this.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's not like he just decided to write it on a stick. He's like, I need to tell yeah, like, everyone, everybody. Needs, this guy is he's obnoxious. obnoxious.
1: He's so full of himself. And for what? For, like, no good reason. For no good... Like, what in the world? So, he takes...
0: Although, to be honest, if I killed seven flies, like, in one go, whether it be with one whack or several, I'd be posting on social yeah, media about this it.
1: This deserves maybe a, one tweet. Yeah. But I don't know if... But Twitter wasn't in, around back so. then. So he had so to, he had to do know. the next best thing. He he sewed it onto a girdle <laughs> that he made for himself. He like, sat down, embroidered this crap onto a girdle so that when he walked around, people could look. And around this man's waist, he had seven at a blow. <laughs> <laughs> Literal. Uh, I'm like, listen. If I saw a man walking around with that tied around his waist and it, and with a, a sign that said seven at one blow, <laughs> the assumption that I would make is not the one that the people in this story end up making. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you that. Killed seven flies in one blow, and all I got was this lousy girdle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he probably wouldn't want to call his own uh, wares lousy. lousy yeah. But
1: but anyway, so then he says, what did I say? The town? No. The whole world shall hear of <laughs> this. To me, Ugh. I'm like, this is Elon Musk's level of like absolute <clears throat> like self-aggrandizement, where he's like, I'm very important. Everybody should know about this. His heart beat for the joy <laughs> Jeff, this absolute idiot of a man.
0: There is a piece of good advice to be taken from here, though, for us in the digital age. Before you tweet, think about whether or not you would be willing to go through the effort of embroidering it on a girdle to wear about town. And if you wouldn't, is it really something worth tweeting or not? You know what I mean? Consider.
1: Consider. Indeed. I every time somebody will add me on like Facebook, I'm so rarely on Facebook anymore that like anytime somebody is like, like, oh, I'm going to add you on Facebook. I'm like, why? Because like I'm never on. So it seems like a weird thing to add me to. But then what I will do is I will go and look through what I have posted recently where i'm like what are they now gonna like go and see and look at and how will they perceive me is that a weird thing to do because i'm less worried about like going over to their page and i'm like now i'm gonna flip through every picture that they posted in the last like three years and like stock their stuff no i'm like i'm like oh no what have i posted recently and will they think that i'm weird not, well, they think I'm weird. It's like, well, like, I I double check to see how do I present myself in public. Yeah. Che- I check I myself that's, before that's, I wreck
0: myself. Yeah. Exactly. That's valid.
1: That way, I also can look at myself with, like, fresh eyes of, like, like, ooh, what have I? And now, since I only post, like, three times a year, it's pretty easy to scroll back to, like, October of 2021 to when my daughter invited my son to a worm funeral. And I decided to write about that.
2: <laughs> That's yeah. great.
1: That I'm like, good. I'm glad I wrote that down. Come quick. We have to have a worm funeral, but I'm not wearing black. Yes, that is the correct answer. Definitely be concerned about the proper attire for a worm funeral. Oh, here's a quote from me that you quoted three years ago. If a little cookie believes in me, then maybe I can believe in me, too.
0: <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, it was a, uh, a yeah. fortune cookie. That was good. That was a good... It was worthy of being quoted. All right. So, he's going to tell the whole he's
1: world. He's going to tell the whole world. Everybody needs to know about this alert the presses. So the tailor wraps that girdle around his waist and he sits off into the wide world so that he could tell him he's like, Oh, better go on tour. Like what is wrong with you? And all he brought with him was some old cheese, which, okay. It never even said he ate that bread and jam. He better have eaten. He better have eaten (laughs) that bread and jam. What in the world? This absolute idiot. Okay, so...
0: All he brought was some old cheese.
1: Yep. So, in front of the house, as he was leaving, he saw a bird that was caught in some bushes. And so he grabbed that and it put it inside of his bag with the cheese, which, that sounds like a good way to lose your cheese. I was going to say, but anyway, that's a weird thing to do with a bird. He's like, I'm just going to grab that, take that with me. Listen, it's a tool for later. So he went merrily along and, you know, out into the big wide world until he came upon a big giant. And the tailor, seeing this big giant, was like, no worries, just walked right up to him and was like, hey, I can see you sitting up there looking at the big wide world And what do you say to me accompanying you out here in this big wide world? And the giant like looked at him and he was like, what in the world? Why would I want this little loser hanging out with me? And so he he was like, he out loud said, what? A poor little wretched creature like you? (laughs) So not only did he think it, he said it out loud. Good for him. And the tailor was like, pfft. Okay, you must be joking. You haven't heard about me. And he unbuttoned his coat so that he could show the giant his girdle. I'm like, seven in one blow. The giant's like, what are you offering me, buddy? No. So he, in his head, he was like, oh man, if he can kill seven humans like in one blow, then like me as a giant, like, oh, I'm a little, like this guy could probably take me, but I don't know. Like he could be all brag. So he was kind of like, hey, how strong are you really? Because like, check how strong I am. So this giant like picks up a rock and starts squeezing it in his hand and he squeezed the stone until water came out of it. Which I'm like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) That's not possible. It's fine. This is a fairy tale. We can all get, get behind this. And he was like, I mean, you think that you're strong, but are you that strong? And the little tailor was like, yeah, I'm that strong watch. And he digs in his bag and he pulls out the cheese and he squeezes it until milk starts coming out of it. And the giant, who I'm assuming is either has poor eyesight or is dumb, was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, wow, this guy like really is strong. That's like no joke. So then the giant like picks up another rock and he was like, Well, okay, so you're strong enough to, like, you know, squeeze it and get, like, milk out of it. But are you, how how high can you throw it? And so the giant takes a stone, chucks it up into the air, and, you know, goes pretty high up there before, like, falling down to the ground with, like, a thud. And the little tailor was like, okay, not only can I throw a stone up, I can throw it so high it won't even come back down. And the giant was like, what in the world? Yeah, right.
0: Launch it to space. Launch
1: it to space. So he grabs like the bird out of his bag really quickly and chucks it up in the air. And of course, it flies off. It flies off. And the giant was like.
0: And the giant can't tell that it was a bird. Yeah, that's why I'm like. He's either
1: very dumb or has very bad eyesight. And so the giant's like, oh my gosh, whoa, this guy is like really something. Okay, yeah, you can walk with me, no problem. And so they start like walking along together and as they're walking along the giant was like well would you be able to carry a tree i know i can carry a tree and the tailor's like of course i could carry a tree everybody can carry a tree and so the giant's like okay like let's let's lift up like this tree so he like goes to pick it up and the tailor's like okay How about instead of we both pick up two different trees, you pick up the trunk side. I'll pick up the branches side. I mean, it's much bigger than the trunk side. So I have to be pretty strong, you know, all this foliage and whatnot. And so the giant was like, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. So he lifts up the tree by the trunk and the tailor, you know, obviously pretends to be carrying the other half of it and they keep walking along. And it was after the giant had like drugged this tree for a while, he was like, Hey, so like, I I think I need to rest. I need to put this like tree down. And the tailor, who by this point had climbed up into the branches of the tree and was just riding, was like, Oh man, really? You need a break already? Well, Okay, I just wouldn't have thought somebody big like you would, you know, need so much help carrying a tree. And the giant, like, goes to, like, turn around and he kind of, like, climbs back out to look like, oh, you know, I'm legit carrying it. And the, the a giant's like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, I guess, I guess if you don't need a break, then, like, I don't need a break either. And the tailor was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't need a break. I'm doing fine. And the guy's like, oh, okay. So they keep going and he climbs, like, back up into the tree. So, as they're passing by a cherry tree, the giant grabs the top of the cherry tree and pulls it down so that he can grab some of the ripest fruit that's like off the top of it. So, then he hands the branch that he's pulled down to the tailor so that the tailor can hold on to the branch and pull some fruit off. But of course, the second that the giant lets go of like the branch and the tailor's still holding on to it, it Pew! Shoots the, shot, shoots the tailor like like a distance away and like the giant goes over to him. He like lands and he lands like pretty gracefully, which I'm like, yeah, right. loser. But anyway, that's a fairy tale. I can. It's OK. So he lands and the giant is like, wow, I thought a guy like you would be strong enough to like hold those branches down and, you know, not be like flung. And the tailor was like, I wasn't being flung by the tree. That's insane. No, I jumped over the tree. Like, that's how far I jumped. And the giant's like, why were you jumping away from the tree? He's like, oh, you didn't see? There was like a huntsman back there who was like taking aim at us, you know, you know, because you're a giant and whatnot. And he was like trying to kill you. But like, I distracted him by my my mad hops. And... <laughs> The giant was like, oh, man, you could jump pretty high. And the giant or the tailor was like, I bet you can jump, you know, pretty far, too. We, You should try jumping. And so the, the giant tries to, like, jump, but, like, you know, doesn't really get that far. And the tailor's like, oh, that's OK, man. Like, you know, no shame. No shame. It's <laughs> like totally fine. So by that point, the giant was like, OK, this guy, like he's pretty skilled. He's like really strong. He can jump really far. Like he actually is probably really dangerous. Like, I don't know if I should have this like dangerous guy hanging out with me. So he was like, Hey, you know, I, uh, I have a cave not far from here that I like to sleep in. Um, and some of my other giant friends go out there and like, like, you know, that's where we like meet up. Do you want to, how about you come back with me back to this cave? And the tailor's like, sure. Why not? Uh, and they're like, yeah, there's like, there's definitely a room that we can like situate you in there. And so the giant shows the tailor where there's a bed and it's like, yeah, you should lay down and like have a good sleep. And so he lays down in the bed and like the giant kind of goes to his friends and is like, this guy's super dangerous. He's like super freaky deaky. Once he's asleep, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> because I like, am I'm really, I'm really freaked out by this guy. And the giants are like, oh, are you serious like that? I don't know. Like, he looks pretty like scrawny and like, you know, like a loser. And (laughs) did you look at his girdle? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, no, like, stay away from this guy. And they're like, all right, buddy, whatever. So meanwhile, the tailor is like, this bed is built for a giant. It's way too big for me. I don't want to be in here. So he just like goes and lays down in like a corner of the room, and
0: this is beef I have with this man and with that little girl Goldilocks. How is it possible for a bed to be too big for you?
1: Seriously,
0: like too small? Okay, I well, get it. I've been in a bed that was too small for me, but so too big. In some
1: of the tales in Goldilocks and this, those were were wandering away from like the point, but in some of them, it's too yeah. firm or 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 too not soft. Too big. But but I get I get the point that you're making. Especially for th- this guy. That's not yeah, what yeah, this, no, this guy Yeah, no, that's not saying. what this guy. This guy is straight up saying
0: He's lying down on the floor instead of being in this overly large yeah, soft bed. he's
1: like bed. oh, this bed is too big. I'm like, "Oh, boo hoo, it must be real hard all that space."
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
2: Continue. So,
1: he just is like, "You know, what? I'm going to go lay down like in a corner." But unbeknownst obviously to the giant and so at midnight the giant
0: who just think he can turn invisible or something
1: not quite but kind of so like the the giant he goes over to the bed and he pulls out his iron walking stick and well he's a giant he needs a big strong walking stick man
0: yeah, it's just crazy. Made well, of iron.
1: This guy, he can he can kill seven people with one blow.
0: Well, I know, but why do you need a iron walking stick made of iron? Yeah, it seems like that would be a heavy thing to carry walk, around on a walk. Walk anyway, softly I'm getting and carry
1: an iron walking stick. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he's got the iron walking stick. He's about to obliterate yeah, this man. Is. I this
1: might tailor. have said walk softly instead of talk softly just then, and that that makes the whole <laughs> quote. completely unintelligible like the way I just pronounced that word
0: it it still has the
2: vibe
1: anyway so the giant just starts wailing on the bed to the point where he broke the bed in two I love that it said he broke the bed in two with one blow he should make a girdle (laughs) (laughs)
0: They <laughs> go on a, a worldwide <laughs> tour.
1: Broke a bed. Broke, <laughs> broke in one blow. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Anyway. <laughs> so, I love, it said that at by then he thought that he had made an end of the little grasshopper. That's what he was calling the... The little tailor. Taylor. So anyway, early in the morning, the giants, they set off into the woods and forgot all about, like, the tailor. They're like, whatever, murdered a guy back there, it doesn't really matter. So all of a sudden, as they're walking, they see the tailor just mmm, walking up the road in a cheerful manner. <laughs> and they were like, oh, my gosh, this guy, he could, like, withstand, like, that full beating, didn't even wake up. After being, like, beaten, <laughs> we thought to death. <laughs> this guy is so crazy strong, and so they ran as fast as they could to get away from this guy because they were like, oh, no, not this guy. So anyway, the tailor, he just kept going about on his day until he came to a royal palace because, of course, he's got to get to a royal palace. How would this... Yeah, if he's Where would tell. this story go? If he's going to tell yeah. everyone in the world. Yeah, everybody's got to be informed. Anyway, but when he got... Close to the royal palace, he was feeling a little tired, so he laid down in the grass to take a nap. And while he was laying there, some people came along and read his girdle. Seven at a blow. They're like, that's a good deal. No. Seven at a blow. Oh my gosh. Like, like what what kind of a hero is this? So they after they read his girdle, they went to tell the king about this guy that's out there, and they're like he might be really useful to like have around, like maybe we should go get that guy and have him like come and be here, like in our armies. Cause he seems like, you know, pretty, pretty useful if he can kill seven people in one blow, you know, that's 70 in 10 blows, you know, like he could obliterate an army pretty quickly <laughs> if you think about it. And so the King was like, Oh yeah, of course go, go and get that guy, invite him over. Let's get him in here. Like make him one of us. And so they went out and they were like, hey, buddy, would you like to come and meet the king? He wants to get to know you. And the little tailor was like, that's the very thing I came here for. I'm quite ready to enter the king's service, which I am like, is this man delusional? Because he honestly thinks that him killing seven flies. Yeah,
0: yeah. He knows the truth. He
1: knows the truth and has no humility about it. So he's like absolutely delusional that he's like, oh, no, I came here because I wanted the king to know that I'm like a super badass. And it's like, <laughs> you're not. You absolutely are not. But no, full delusion. He he thinks very, very highly of himself. The Lulu. Was I talking to you or my sister about, for whatever reason, that, like, word bugs me?
0: You weren't talking to me, but I still would have used it if you were. I know. (laughs) It bugs me, too, but it applies in this situation. It's like it would bug
1: me when people would say cray-cray. Oh, my gosh, the guy's totally Mm. cray-cray. I'm like, just say crazy. Cray-cray sounds ridiculous.
0: I do agree. Cray-cray sounds ridiculous. For some reason, I like DeLulu, though. Because there's something how about like how DeLulu sounds. Oh. Yeah. And the way it feels in your mouth. But something about how it sounds like conveys like a little extra. A little
1: extra DeLulu. Meaning. Like not only is that person delusional. They're delusional in a silly way.
0: It Yeah. It's like DeLulu. And like Lulu, like, I don't know. It's just like kind of like crazy, no, like no, goofy, no, no, silly, no, 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 no. wacky. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're DeLulu.
1: Nice. This man is DeLulu. For sure on god
0: in the same way in the same way as like people talk about you know like you know being delulu or whatever on the on the on the TikTok and it's about like you know fake it till you make it kind of energy like being just being delusional to your own benefit yeah. you know and that's what this Absolutely. man is that's that's the essence it of delulu
1: 100% is. so some of the other officers were looking at this guy and they were like really this guy is joining our military. He's getting promotions. Like, for what? He hasn't done anything. Like, I think that this, I think this guy's a liar. I think this guy's a liar and he's crazy and I wish that he wasn't in our army and I was, wish he was somewhere else. And they were like, well, what can we do? Like, if we quarrel with him and he gets mad, he could just kill us all really fast. And they're like, or maybe he couldn't. And they're like, well, I don't want to test it. What should we do? And they're like, I don't know. And then they were like, you know what? We should send him off we should tell him like, "Oh, if you want to prove like what a great hero you are, he should go and battle these two giants that live really close to the castle." <laughs> like we should say, "Oh, if uh, if you're so brave, we have this problem with these giants. Maybe you should go fight these two giants." What's two giants to a man who can kill seven men with one blow? Like what's what's it going to take, two blows to kill these two giants? Like you can do that. And so they go to him and they're like, "Hey, we need you to to kill these giants. Well, first they go to the King and they're, they told the King, Hey, you know, maybe we should have, maybe you should order this guy to go take care of that problem. And the King was like, Oh, you know what? I think you guys are right. And you know what? If he's able to kill those two guys, I should reward him with my daughter. He should get to marry my daughter. If he's able to like kill these two giants and the, the guys in the military were like, sure. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Who cares? Because in their heads, they're like, he's not going to do it. So what do we care? Whatever. So they go to the tailor and they're like, oh, the king wants to send you like to go kill these two giants. And he's going to give you his only daughter as a wife and half of his kingdom. And it says he might have a hundred horsemen too to to add to it. And the tailor was like, you know what? That's the very thing for a man like me one doesn't get the offer of a beautiful princess and a half a kingdom every day. For sure. Um, but then he was like, oh, but I haven't the need of your hundred horsemen. A fellow who can slay seven men at one blow need not be afraid of two. Dululu. Like, he, yeah. to me, I'm like, he is nothing like Dejicon. Nothing. Like, he, he 100%, he believes in his heart that he is capable of this. He he's not cowardly. Yeah. He's not afraid. He's delusional.
0: No. Yeah. He's not even not even afraid. Not even like cowardly is not even the thing. It's just.
1: Yeah. Cause I'm like, he's not even brave, because to be brave implies that like you yeah. assess some risk. He sees yeah. no risk in what he's doing. He has complete confidence in his bumbling self. And So far, Mm -hmm. he has been able to, like, get away with it with a fair amount of luck. Yeah. So anyway, the little tailor set out, and a hundred horsemen did end up following him, like, coming with him. And, but when he got to, like, the outskirts of the woods, he was like, you wait here, I'll manage the giants by myself. So he went into the woods and he like you know was looking around for them and he saw these two giants asleep under a tree and they were snoring it said till the very boughs bent with the breeze so he's just like watching these two guys these two giants like sleeping and he was like hmm all right here's what I'm going to do I'm going to fill up my pockets with stones and climb up the tree that they are laying under so he climbed up and got to about the middle between them And he started throwing down one stone after the other onto just the nearest giant to him. And for a while, the giant didn't feel anything because he wasn't throwing them out that hard. Like, oh, really? Because they thought he could Mm -hmm. throw a stone so hard that it will never even come down. Just kidding. I know (laughs) that it's a bird. He knows that it's a bird. But no. So he's up there throwing down these stones. And for a while, the giant like isn't even flinching, isn't even moving. But finally... He gets one. I don't know whether it pegged him straight in the eye or something or like it went down his throat into his mouth. I don't know. I like imagining that the guy is just like, and they're like pinging like off of his face. But then like one accidentally like goes into his throat and he's like, <laughs> like choking on a rock. Anyway, so he sits up and he like whacks the guy next to him and he's like, hey, what was that for? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I didn't do anything. You, you have to be dreaming. And so he was like, okay, maybe. So they both lay back down. And then the tailor started throwing stones at the second giant trying to get him. And so finally he pegged that guy hard enough that he was like, I'm sorry I said pegged that guy. It's seven in one blow. (laughs) Sorry. You should be sorry. So he finally hit that second giant like hard enough that he, you know, jerks awake and he was like, What's that for? I'm sorry I said jerk. Yeah, you need to. Sorry, Watch I said stroke. your language carefully. Yes. What's that for? Why'd you throw something at me? And the guy's like, I didn't throw anything at you. The second one's like, yeah, you did. And they're like, no, I didn't. Go back to sleep. Like, like you're, you're dreaming now. And they're like, oh, so they go back to sleep. So then the tailor gets his, the biggest stone that he could find. And he chucks it down with all his force straight at the first giant's chest. And that guy, barely asleep, was like, Oh, no, you for real hit me that time. So he gets up crazed and they start beating each other, going at each other. They're tearing trees out of the ground and like beating each other with like trees that they've like picked up out of the ground. Meanwhile, all of the soldiers that are at the edge of the woods, they're hearing like all of this and they're like, "Oh my gosh." Cuz they're hearing trees getting ripped out of the ground and screaming rage and they're like, "Oh my gosh, like it's they that guy is going to get obliterated. Oh my gosh, like what have we done?" And the little tailor, he after they've beaten each other both to death, the little tailor jumps out of a tree and says to himself, "Oof." That's a mercy that they didn't root up the tree on which I was perched. I should have had to jump like a squirrel from one to another. (laughs) And that would have been no easy job. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, ooh. Even he's like acknowledging like, ooh, that was lucky that they didn't grab the trees I was in. Because I would not have had like the skill. So anyway, he grabbed his sword and he gave each of the giants like a thrust or two in the breast. I get... To probably double check that they're dead, but then also to get some blood on his sword so it looked like, no, I I did it. I did it, for, but for real, it was me. So he goes back out, and these people are like, they heard the whole thing. They're like horrified, like terrified, like what's about to happen? So they hear, you know, rustling and like the trees and stuff, and then he like pops out of the bushes with his sword all bloody, and he's looking fine. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I thought you'd, you'd be dead like, you're not even wounded. And the tailor's like, oh, yeah, no no problem. They, they didn't even touch a hair on my head. And the horsemen were like, what in the world? What kind of guy is this? And so they went into the woods because they were like, no way, no way that he like killed These two, and he's, like, not even rattled. There's, like, nothing... He's not even rumpled from doing it. So they go into, like, this clearing and then see these two dead giants, trees uprooted everywhere, and they have, you know, like, sword thrusts in their side, and they're like, oh, my gosh. This guy, like, this guy is crazy, wild, strong. So... They're now they're terrified of him. Now they're scared of him. And so they take him back to, like, the king, and they tell the king, like, everything that they saw and heard. And the king was like, oh, my gosh, now I'm scared of this guy. I don't know if I want to give him my daughter and half of my kingdom. Like, this guy's a maniac. And it's funny because it reminds me of that weird story, Hedgy, where like he had like what was it bathed himself in like dragon blood and so then he was like indestructible but then all the people who had made fun of him that he worked with were then terrified of him it's kind of yeah. a similar thing where now they're like okay I'm scared of this guy now because he's that strong that like now I feel uncertain about him and it's interesting how yeah, it gets it's like
2: counterproductive. Yeah, I'm like, it's
1: interesting how it gets to like a point of like oh wow what a hero this guy is amazing like so incredible and then it it pivots to like, this guy's terrifying. Sure. I'm legitimately yeah. afraid of this man now, but that's, that's where they were at. And so the king was thinking himself like, man, I need to get rid of this guy. So he was like, all right, here's my here, new plan. So he goes to the little tailor and he says, so before I give you the hand of my daughter and half of my kingdom, I, I need you to perform one more deed of valor. There is a unicorn that is running around loose in the woods and it's doing a whole lot of mischief. And so I need you to catch it. And the tailor is like, oh, yeah, of course. I'm less afraid of one unicorn than I am of two giants. Seven at a blow. That's my motto. It's like, yeah, bro, we know. It's on your girdle, you weirdo. (laughs) So... He went out into the woods and it didn't take him too long before he saw the unicorn passing by. And when the unicorn saw him, the unicorn, see, I haven't had a lot of dealings with unicorns. I think this is the first unicorn that we've ever talked about on the podcast, frankly.
0: Seems unlikely, but it could be. Just because
1: they don't pop up like in stories a lot. I mean, they're like obviously in, you know, a lot of like bestiary tales. I know that we've talked about like Pliny. What was it Pliny the Younger who wrote about them? But he wrote about how he had seen a unicorn and they're actually like fatter and uglier than he had imagined. Because what he was looking at was uh-huh. like a rhinoceros. Right. But I think that's the only time we've ever talked about unicorns. But anyway, they're dangerous. They've got a horn, man. And so this one, when it saw him, was upset that he, the tailor, was like out in the woods. And so it wanted to dash at him and drive his, like, spike his horn, like, straight into the tailor. And, you know, what is that called? Impale. Thank you. He wanted to impale the tailor on his horn. And so the tailor, I guess, sensing this was like, like, oh, don't, don't run so, don't run so quickly at me, friend. Come, come gently to me. And the unicorn was like, what in the world? No. So, but the unicorn's like inching closer and closer to this guy. Cause I mean, all the better to stab you with my dear. So he like, it starts getting like really, really close. And right before the beast lunges at him, the tailor jumps behind a tree and the unicorn ran with all of its force against the tree and ended up ramming its horn so firmly into the trunk that it had no strength left to pull it back out again. And thus, the unicorn was captured, slash captured itself by trapping itself there. So quickly, the tailor placed a rope around the unicorn's neck and cut down the tree with an axe and led the beast back to the king. So at this point, the king was like, okay, okay, I'm scared and he's only given him two tasks and so of course in in fairy tale land he's got to give him three. one more task. Got to get him to do one more thing. So he said, "Oh, no, of course. Of course you've done, you know, this this great thing, but I mean for a man like you, you know, this is child's play. Is it really a deed of valor if it's so easy for you to do?" And so the king <clears throat> Not wanting to give his daughter to this man was like, okay, what other dangerous things do I have in this kingdom? Which at this point, I'm like, I feel like they could have started off with this last one and ended with the giants. I feel like that would have been even more impressive yeah. like of a story, but it's fine.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's like ending with the the already introduced giants. Like yeah, bringing them bring back, back, in, back in and having them like the kill
1: each other. Yeah. So, but listen, it was different times then. People didn't have our expertise to help them write this story. <laughs> so anyway so the king was like oh man what other wild creatures do i have in these woods that i can you know get this tailor to like fight against and so the king is like i need you to do one more thing there's a wild boar that lives in these woods that's crazy and is constantly like attacking people and running them through and it would be really great if if there was somebody that could you know kill this and the tailor was like yeah no problem like I can kill two giants and capture a unicorn and you know kill seven in one blow I can definitely handle this I can do anything anything. I'm delusional so my luck has made me completely delusional so the tailor went back out like into the woods and some huntsmen came with him but he was like oh no no I don't need your help you're fine like I can do this like on my own and the huntsmen were like okay we can help you but whatever And so the tailor went around until he found this like wild boar. And when he found this wild boar, it was foaming at the mouth, which I'm like, okay, that is a little more frightening just because foaming at the mouth. That's like, you've got a rabid creature. That's not great. And Mm -hmm. so he was like, Oh, what am I going to do this thing? It was foaming mouth and gleaming teeth, trying to knock him down and snarl at him. But quickly the tailor found a chapel in the woods who lives out there. A holy hermit? I don't know. Reincorporation. (laughs) Miss our holy hermits. But anyway, no. Right now, nobody's in there. So the tailor's, like, hopping around, and he runs into the chapel, and this boar comes after him right into the chapel. And so he leaps through a window and then circles back around and closes and locks the chapel door, which I'm like, okay, yes, technically you did capture the wild boar, but... Now, how will they have mass? Just kidding. Mm -hmm. He has the huntsman come now that it's captured and like finish it off. And he was like, well, now you're obligated to give me your daughter. And uh, the king begrudgingly gave his daughter to this hero warrior that he thought that this guy was. And it said the wedding was celebrated with much splendor and little joy. I'm like, oh man. And then it says, and the tailor became a king, which it's all (laughs) confusing to me because I'm like, there's already a king. Did he? Oh, because he got half of the kingdom. Okay. That makes more sense. So he became king over that half of the kingdom. And his wife who was the princess is now a queen over that half of the kingdom. So one night as these two are laying together in bed, this new queen, the woman that he marries, overhears him talking in his sleep. And he's saying, my lad, make that waistcoat and patch these trousers or I'll box your ears. And from her, him whispering this, she's like, wait, this isn't a man, a gentleman born, a warrior. This is but a lowly tailor. How have I been born to this lowly tailor? So... I think that's hilarious because, like, my husband sometimes says crazy stuff in his sleep as well. And Yeah.
0: Why isn't it a a lord that's having a dream of being a tailor?
1: Why can't a man do that?
0: She's jumping to conclusions.
1: So she goes to her dad and she's like, dad, guess what? This guy, he is not even a warrior hero at all. He's just a tailor. That's all he is. And the king is like, he what? He lied to me? Which I'm like, okay. He didn't. In fairness, he did kill those two giants. He did, yeah, capture trap, yeah, trap of and capture a unicorn. So even though he isn't all that he says he is, he did accomplish those tasks. He used his wit to accomplish those tasks. His wit and a bit of luck, but he did accomplish those tasks. A lot of so, luck, yeah. No, but anyway. The king was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Leave your bedroom door open tonight so that my servants can stand outside. And then when your husband falls asleep, they're going to come in, tie him up, carry him to a ship, and then throw him out into the ocean. And the wife, the tailor's wife was like, this sounds like a great plan. I love this journey for him. (laughs) It's better to live in the wilderness than with an angry and contentious woman. Um, So she's like, all right, sounds good. But it says the armor bearer overheard everything. And by this point, he had become a little attached to his new master, the tailor. And so he went and he told Hmm. the tailor everything. And the tailor was like, oh, no worries. Don't worry about it. I'll handle this situation. So that night he and his wife, they got to bed at the usual time and he pretended to fall asleep. And at the point when he had pretended to fall asleep, the lady went to get up to open the door and the little tailor who had only been pretending to sleep. Starts talking in his sleep and he says, my lad, make that waistcoat and patch those trousers or I'll box your ears. I have killed seven at a blow, slain two giants, laid a- led a unicorn captive and caught a wild boar. Then why should I be afraid of those men standing outside my door? And the men <laughs> hearing him say those things were horrified terrified shaken to their core and they were like nope nope run 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 and they all fled out and they never dared to go near him again and so the little tailor was and remained a king all the days of his life <laughs> maybe not happily married though so where is that so I think it's really interesting because, like, obviously, you know, these stories do have a lot of similarities with each other. I mean, mainly that beginning thing of, like, seven in one blow. And then, like, these different tasks that they're kind of, like, like, laying down outside of a castle, being brought into the castle, and then kind of having these, like, you know, things happen to them. But also, it unfolds in a very, very different way. And it has me yeah. thinking about how it's, it's almost like in one culture, it's more forgivable for somebody to be afraid and just bumble into luck than it is for somebody to mm-hmm. be full of themselves and cocky. Yeah. But then obviously, like, in one culture, it's like, hey, we, we love a guy who is just, like, delusionally full of himself. Mm -hmm. And so I I just think it's interesting how, like, that, like, the two different types of, like, celebrated people are there. Not necessarily because, I mean, in the past we've talked about how, like, some heroes, it's that people can, like, see themselves better in them. Or there's, like, a wish fulfillment where they're like, oh, man, I wish that I, in my delusion could you know have this fall upward into luck versus like hey being afraid but doing things anyway while you're afraid maybe should get you something i don't know there's something to be said for kind of like both both guys and their journey and also what that says for us like in our lives because you know there's part of me that is like you know i do wish that i was delusional enough (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, you know, like toot my own horn. I feel like it's very LA of him, you know, where it's like uh, just a yeah. lot of like self-promotion going on. Like he's the he's the product <laughs> yes. and he's going to go out a- as a door-to-door salesman and sell that product <laughs> to as many people as he can. But I feel like there's also something to be said for a guy that's like, I mean, one, he's like, I would rather risk death than be miserable here. Hmm. And then even though he's afraid, he just keeps kind of going.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you just really nailed it with that observation of how this could be reflecting the different types of things that are valued in each culture or or either that or like one is more something that's relatable and one is more like wish fulfillment level either way they were both just like super fun and funny stories like even though i like you didn't really like the little taylor as like a character i was like what an obnoxious little jerk like as it kept going on like even though i didn't like him anymore for being just like delulu and full of himself and like cocky little punk like i did enjoy watching him succeed throughout the whole thing you know what i mean like i i wasn't wanting him ever to like meet his downfall you know like i wanted him to succeed and i like enjoyed that journey but just like the feeling behind it was like there was so much like joy and delight and like oh my gosh this guy like how is he going to accidentally like succeed in this one you know whereas you know in the the earlier story you're feeling the anxiety of this guy's like oh my gosh like what do you do? Like, he's just getting himself deeper and deeper and deeper into this mess. But this mess becomes like ultimately a really, really good thing that he doesn't ever have to like explain away. You know what I mean? So it's like, one is like, Oh, kind of the, you feel the anxiety building? But then it ultimately ends up in this like really like, and then he lived happily ever after kind of a place. And the other one is like, you know, the opposite of that, just like, you just feel that rise with everything like, Oh my gosh, here he goes. going to top, top yeah. it over again. It's, so it's just interesting that I think it'd be like, so again, so similar stories, but also the exact opposite feeling. And then, you know, the journey being so much the same, including how yeah. it ends. No, you know?
1: it, it's kind of like, I was just thinking the character that the brave little Taylor reminds me of is like Michael Scott in the office where like, yeah, he's so obnoxious like just like a jerk conceited but he gets he technically gets the job done and so you're like okay and then you realize like he's not doing any of this like out of malice and so it's like okay because you're not malicious because you're not mean i don't like you but like i'm not actively rooting against you and so it's like okay, that's what he kind of reminds me of. But like, Dej-
0: for sure—that's a great analogy. Like yeah. Michael Scott, that's exactly but who like the little Deschukon.
1: He's like a, an underdog, and so you're rooting for him in like yeah. an underdog kind of like a way where you're just like, like, oh, you're you're an unlikely hero, but I want to yeah. see you succeed just because, like, I feel bad for you, man. Because I don't know, there's something yeah. so relatable about it's like imposter syndrome where like he does not know, except that for real, because he, he knows he's an imposter when they're like, oh, you're really yeah. brave and you should. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, should I tell them or should I not? And so he's like sitting there and there's something very relatable about that of being like, like people being like, oh, yeah, you know how to do this. You know how to get this done. And you're sitting there going, do I? Do I know how to get it done? Please don't believe in me. I don't believe in myself.
2: (laughs) Something so relatable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh,
1: Um, So I just want to say thank you so much to Megan, who let us know about this Armenian tale. And hopefully we did it justice. I'm always nervous when somebody's like, can you retell this tale that I loved from my childhood? I'm like, listen, I hope. I hope I can do a good job and not be like ruin (laughs) everything. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully everybody who was listening enjoyed it, but thank you so much for people who like send in requests. We absolutely love them. It takes things in a direction that we weren't necessarily planning on going. And I'm really glad that, you know, in their message, they had said, you know, like, it might be interesting to, like, look at this with, like, the little tailor, and it absolutely was, especially because of yeah the differences, like, between the tails, not just in terms of, like, so often when we, we look at the differences, we're looking at, like, oh, this one had giants in it, because that was a common motif, but then this one had like demons, because that was a, like, no, no, no. These ones were, it was like, these are different characters, like personality wise. Yeah. And so how that played out, even though it, it was interesting looking at it play out very similarly, but with two entirely different people and different personalities of people. And so like, it was an extra fascinating way to look at a story and it makes me think of like you know looking at other stories and and thinking to myself like how would this story be different if a completely different archetypal character got dropped in the middle of it
0: Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. For access to exclusive bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andy Forey for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible.
1: Good stories pay little attention to cultural or linguistic frontiers. The student of story collections find themselves adrift on an ocean of stories, an ocean which is boundless, deep, and ceaseless in motion. Robert Irwin. And this book was published in... Doesn't say, well, then who gives a
2: fart?